0: Welcome back to Pause, Reflect, and Learn with Katie. I'm so happy to be here after my mini break. This is season three, and in today's episode, we are going to learn the harm that you can cause by pulling your dog's tail, and we're also gonna speak about a strange behavior that we see in some dogs known as dog trancing, or I've also heard it called ghost walking. The first time I saw it, I was amazed at what was going on, I didn't understand so I went home and I started researching and I learned about dog trancing and I'm happy to share it with you today. As usual, before that we get into our topic, we're going to do a trivia question. So today's trivia question is, what are some emotional reasons behind a dog's struggle to learn? We will give you the answer to that question and we'll get into today's topic right after this break. Want to learn dog training? ISCDT can help. Their online dog training program has you working with dogs under the supervision of a certified dog trainer and mentor. Their in-person dog training exposes you to an array of dog breeds, personalities, and age. You'll see what it's like to work with dogs and their owners. ISCDT, the program ranked top 10 in dog trainer programs by multiple sources. Check them out at ISCDT.com. So today's trivia question, what are some emotional reasons behind a dog's struggle to learn? Well, those emotional reasons include fear and anxiety, still decompressing, following a rescue or an adoption, negative past experiences, a lack of trust. When the dog is overexcited, they tend to struggle to learn. When the owner is not in the right mind frame, which means that you're working with the dog because you have to, but you're really not in the mood, nor do you have the time to do so. And then finally, because the dog is frustrated. So once that we discover what is bothering our dog and we remove that piece of the puzzle, you should start seeing success. Although understand if it comes to fear and anxiety or negative past experiences, it may take your dog a little bit longer to trust you in the process. So you have to have patience, you have to stick with it and also try to make the training simple for the dog, and then build up to a little bit more complex training to help the dog feel more comfortable and to realize that training can be fun. Okay, let's move on to our topics. The very first one that I wanna discuss is damage that you can cause by pulling your dog's tail. And the reason that I am discussing this is because in recent months, an increasing number of people have grabbed their dog's tail in my presence. It happens when owners try to control their dog. They grab the tail to stop the dog from bolting out the door and to prevent the dog from walking away from them. On one occasion, I saw a child stretched out on the kitchen floor, on their belly, and when the dog walked by, the child reached for the dog's tail because he wanted the dog to pull him across the room while he was on his belly. And luckily, I happened to see what was going on. I startled the whole entire room and I went, no! (laughs) Because I did not want this child to get hurt. And of course, I didn't want the dog to get hurt either. So, I don't know about you, but it makes my stomach churn every single time that I see somebody grab a dog's tail. And there's two reasons for that. One is the most obvious. I don't want anybody to get bit. You know, you may know someone who grabs a dog's tail and they've never gotten bit. And you know what? I'll tell you, you might not get bit the first time and you might not get bit the 10th, or you may. But at some point, you're going to get bit from pulling a dog's tail, whether it's your own dog or someone else's dog because you're in the habit. And even more frightening is if you pull your dog's tail and your children see it, they're going to think that that's okay. And they may go to somebody else's house, grab the dog's tail, and come home with a severe bite. So we, we wanna try to watch what we do to make sure that we don't pass the wrong message to our children, and naturally, we don't wanna do anything to hurt our dogs. So. A dog's tail is the extension of the spine. It is made up of vertebrae, muscles, and nerves. And according to VCA hospitals, these injuries are caused when a tail is pulled. Because by pulling, you are strenuously stretching and tearing nerves. And in addition, you can also cause breaks in the dog's tail. Now pulling a dog's tail, as I said, damages nerves higher up in the spine that control urination and defecation. And while nerve damage can fix itself over time, there are some instances where the damage is really bad and it can cause permanent incontinence for your dog. So in addition to damaging their bowels, dogs use their tails as a form of communication. Dog trainers educate their clients on canine communication on a regular basis. Dogs do speak to us through calming signals and body language. And if you ask the typical dog owner how the dog communicates with them, they're going to say through the tail. Because the tail communicates when dogs are happy, when they're frightened, and even when they want to calm a stressful situation but damaged nerves and muscles in the tail can cause the tail to go limp, thereby preventing dogs from communicating with humans and with other dogs. And let's face it, if your dog has a limp tail and walks over to another dog, that other dog is gonna be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you not communicating? And they could either become angry, not wanna bother with them, or be frightened of your dog because they just don't look the way they're supposed to. A tail is also used to balance a dog when they climb, jump, and walk on uneven surfaces such as rocks and mulch. They also use their tail to help them navigate tight spaces. Pulling the tail can cause them to lose balance and have the inability to squeeze in tight spaces. Now we know how frustrating it is when your dog does not follow verbal directions. If this is a problem that you're having, it's best to hire a professional dog trainer to help with obedience training. But while you're training your dog, have your dog drag a short leash around when you're home with them. A short leash should not touch the floor. I usually have my clients attach it to the collar or attach it to a harness and cut it at the chest so this way it will not go on the floor when the dog's head is in alignment with their body or when they're walking down a flight of stairs. Once that you cut the leash, burn the tip of it, the cut part, so this way it doesn't fray. And to prevent your dog from chewing on it or other dogs in the home from grabbing it and dragging your dog around, you can soak it in a non-chew solution. My favorite is Bitter Apple by Granix. I find that Bitter Apple is the one non-chew deterrent that does not seep into my skin and make me choke when I eat later on in the day, even though I've washed my hands a million times. I've been woken up at three o'clock in the morning with a terrible taste in my mouth, and I know that it came from a client who used a solution other than Bitter Apple during my training. You should soak the leash overnight, every night in the solution. Just dry it off, and then put it on your dog in the morning. I do not want the dog to wear the leash overnight, when they're crated, or when they're left unattended. The leash should only be used in your presence so that it can aid you in preventing the dog from jumping or countersurfing for running out the door, and even as a gentle guider to encourage the dog to walk with you. If you are in the habit of pulling your dog's tail when the dog doesn't listen, I'm hoping that this podcast will help you change to an alternate way to get your dog's attention. So this way, Your dog isn't harmed and your dog doesn't turn and bite you or somebody else. If you have witnessed anyone handling a dog in a matter that causes the dog pain or discomfort, please share it with me at katie, K-A-T-I-E, at I-S-C-D-T dot com. Not because I'm gonna be the dog police and knock at their door and yell at them. You know, sometimes we do things that we don't realize are wrong, And once it's brought to our attention, we can change our ways. So my goal is to try to get people to learn how to handle and deal with the dog in their life so that they have a good relationship. And speaking of relationships, sometimes our dogs can just be a little weird. And one weird behavior that I noticed was dog trancing. The first time I witnessed dog trancing, I was sitting in my friend's backyard. We returned from a girl's night out, and I watched as her dog raced around the yard, burning off pent-up energy. At one point, the dog crept slowly beneath the tree with low-hanging branches. Once beneath the tree, she walked so slow that the behavior definitely caused me to pause. At first, I thought she was stalking wildlife. She walked underneath the first bush, walked a few feet away, and slowly crept under a second bush. And wanting to spare the life of the poor animal I thought she was stalking, I called her name. She immediately popped out from beneath the bush as though nothing happened. She looked my way and then ran off. And I honestly did not expect that quick of a response from a dog who was hunting wildlife because she is normally too focused on her prey to respond when her name is called. So as I mentioned, her behavior both mesmerized and concerned me. And when I asked my friend about it, she shrugged it off and said the dog did it quite often. So I went home and I researched the behavior. The behavior is called trance-like syndrome, and it is very commonly seen in certain dog breeds, such as bull terriers. The behavior is not limited to bull terriers. You'll see it with greyhounds, basset hounds, and a few other breeds that are known to exhibit this behavior, too and a paper written by the Davies Veterinary Specialist in the UK indicate that trans-like syndrome consists of a hypokinetic repetitive pacing gait. Various studies have been performed, but none of these studies link trans walking to underlying medical conditions, including neurological issues. The studies performed under the Davies Veterinary Specialist along with studies conducted by other institutions, agree that trans walking is a benign behavior possibly linked to canine compulsive disorder. It is further noted that unless the dog forgoes all enjoyable activities just to trans walk, or if they have other OCD behaviors that are present, not to be concerned about it. Just make sure that if your dog does transwalk walk under foliage that they don't come in contact with a bush or a tree that, that can cause skin irritation. Transwalking is also referred to as ghost walking, weed walking, and dog trancing. Dogs who trance walk often do so under branches of low-lying bushes, under curtains, the corner of tables where the tablecloth hangs down, in your closet beneath hanging clothing, along a Christmas tree, or anything else that may gently touch their back. You may find the dog standing under the bush, allowing the foliage to dance on their skin, or they may slowly walk beneath the item. Then turn and do it again and again. Dog trancing can last anywhere from a few seconds to more than 30 minutes. And that is according to Black's Veterinary Dictionary. Dogs can be snapped out of this behavior by simply calling their name as I did to my friend's dog. But I'm going to tell you that they don't really appreciate that. And while the reasoning behind this behavior is a mystery to dog experts, dogs response to trancing is no different than a person receiving a gentle massage or a parent tickling their child's arm or back. A scalp massage makes the world stop for me. It is a relaxing, peaceful feeling that I often wish would never end. And it appears that some dogs have figured out a way that they can enjoy their own version of self-care for free. But when you see your dog trance walking, admire from afar, but try not to abruptly end that moment for them. So we've took the time to pause and learn. Now it's time to reflect. Have you been thinking about taking A course, maybe ISCDT's dog training course. Or maybe you've already enrolled in one, but you haven't started or you haven't finished. Do you wanna start a new business? Do you wanna get a new job? What is it that you have been wanting to do, but putting off? Well, think about it, and then I want you to think about this. If you start now, in two weeks, you are going to feel different. In four weeks, you are going to see a difference. And in eight weeks, it will be part of you. So whatever it is that you are putting off doing, do it now. Because we want you to know you got this. And if it has to do with dog training, starting your own business, or dog child safety, we're here to help. You can find more information about us at iscdt.com. And listen, we want to hear about it. What is something that you've been putting off? We want to be your cheerleaders. Well, that is all we have for today. Until next time, this is Katie, and thank you for joining me. I hope that the information that I provide in this podcast increases the bond between you and your dog. Have a great week.